All right, welcome to another great episode of The Big Ticket Life. I've got Kai Logue with me today. You know, I got to meet Kai uh, through Apex. Apex, a wonderful, amazing peer-to-peer mastermind group and uh, really connected with him through the topic of RVing, although that won't be the whole context of our show. Uh, But, you know, Kai's looking to kind of live that RV on the road lifestyle a little bit, add that into the hobbies and fun that he and his family have. Kai, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you here. Hey, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me on, man. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so let's dig right in. Like, I, I love talking about camping. I think um, it's it, one of my big goals is to, you know, as I use the various things that I do as stepping stones and paths in my journey, is one of the big goals is to, uh, for my family, for my legacy, and really to help others, is to have an amazing campground or maybe series of campgrounds that kind of bring a Disney-like experience to it because that's my whole thing is the customer experience. That's what I, the people I work with, what gets me excited is creating an amazing experience. So for me, like camping is you talk to anybody, they always light up about family camping memories, right? Uh, Maybe it was just in a tent, maybe it was a little pop-up, maybe they rented a cabin, there was a family cabin. So what is it about the the RV lifestyle, the camping idea? What is it that you like about all that? So I've actually never gone RVing. Um, so I don't I haven't done it yet. I actually came across a YouTube video and saw this guy who was just kind of traveling, woke up on the beach and he had a little thing, made himself coffee, he had his dog with him. And um you're just you know, starting the day, some the sunrise was coming up and you know, it just looked like, you know, you can have a care in the world and super relaxed. Like this this guy knows something I don't. You know, and I started to kind of go down the YouTube rabbit hole and I uh, really just started to go and started watching all these videos. And like, you know, I knew nothing about RVs besides what I watched on YouTube. And now I've had a few conversations with different people um, in the network and, and outside the network. But uh, yeah, it just, it just sounds awesome. Everyone I talk to, they just love it. They get super passionate about it. You know, there's uh, people that are on my, my Dream 25 list that reached out to me. They're super into RVing that I had no idea. And like, hey, you have to do this. It's great. Um, but the main reason why, um, we, we love to hike, you know, we love to go out on adventures, me and my wife and, um, her goal has always been to try to see as many national parks as we can. And, yeah, um, very cool. Yeah. We're sitting down doing the math and like, Hey, we pretty much have to, you know, there's a lot of national parks. So we gotta, you know, really be on the road a lot if we want to hit some of these. Yeah. 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 Uh, realism with goal setting, right? Mm. Um, there's, there's 77, I don't know how many national parks there are. Do you know the number? I don't know. It's a lot. There's a yeah. more than I thought. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there, are, there definitely is. Um, I mean, even in middle of nowhere, West Virginia, there's national parks, um, which is pretty much all there is in that stretch of the nation. But um, no, it's very cool. Uh, there's a great podcast. Actually, Chris, my amazing producer at castahead.net, he is a, knows of or is connected to uh, the Rootless Living podcast. So for you, that might be one you subscribe to, but it's all about uh, people who live full time and and do the RV life, uh, that's the name. Rootless Living. Um, I forget the gentleman's name. That uh, oh, just went right off the top of my head. The host and, and owner of that, but he publishes a magazine, and it's a really great podcast. You might check that out. And for anybody yeah, else, you might check that. it out too. Um, yeah, I love the I love the freedom it provides. Right? I mean, that, that's like the literal definition of life and business on your terms. Being mm-hmm. able to wake up in a destination. Uh, grab your coffee at the beach, grab your coffee at the foot of Yellowstone. Uh, you know, if you're in West Virginia, the Monongala National Park, which is like nothing but just big tall trees. 
dense, dense forestation. Um, yeah, a lot of cool things that you can do and opportunities that it opens you up. You know, and I think, I think one of those benefits is you, I think there's a lot to be said getting around different types of people. You see benefit in that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think just in all this, if we meet new people and, you know, feel like, yeah, like I said, we haven't done it yet, but I definitely imagine you can probably meet a lot of cool people on the road. And yeah, I love going to networking events and mastermind events and just hearing different people's stories. And yeah, I feel like it's probably going to be a great opportunity to do that for sure. Yeah. I, I would assume you know uh, Jeff and Kirsten Smith in the Apex group. Um, so my wife does. Uh, she's in Apex okay. as well. Um, and I met Kirsten once or twice. Um, but yeah. yeah, I know. I heard my wife talk. Yeah, it's always fun to see their family pack up in the RV. They have one. Uh, Jeff's into real estate as well, just as you are. And uh, they. Uh, it's always fun to see their family pack up in the RV. They've got a Class C, four kids. So that's a, uh, if you know anything about uh, Class C or is anybody listening, watching uh, Class C, you got the bunk typically over the where you drive it. You got typically a bedroom in the rear. And then you got sofas and things that pull out in the middle. Uh, maybe if you got a big one, you might have bunks in the middle on one side. Uh, it's certainly, it's certainly for a family that loves each other. It's for people who are close because, uh, if you got more than you and your spouse in there, um, it's some tight living for sure. Now, do you do the, uh, the class C type thing or do you do like the, the pull behind? You know, so I, we had, so yeah, let's kind of dig in and then we'll, we'll get into all you do. And, uh, you know, th this is definitely, you, you you help people and I have a podcast about helping business owners come over overcome adversity. So my RV and camping journey as of recent was definitely adversity. Uh, we had a class C um, and uh, we bought it used. I, I wanted to see if our family was really truly into it. They thought we were uh, all that good stuff. So I bought one used kind of fixer up or took it apart in my front yard. Um, fixed it up one on our first trip. Great trip. Came back neighbor drives into the back of it and totals it totals oh, Jeep Grand Cherokee totals the back of a camper. Wow. Uh, long story short, I got a nice insurance check for it, uh, was able to keep it, keep the title and sell it. And, uh, that went towards our new camp trailer that we have now. We did two years of towing that around. That was fun, but it's a, it's a, that way of camping is a lot of work, especially mm -hmm. if you're able to get away for three, four days at a shot. And, um, because you're setting up, you're tearing down. Uh, there's a lot of driving. We found as a family, we just really kind of like to have a spot where you can get away. Um, and uh, so we have a, a permanent site now, but we love getting up there. And I, I actually do, uh, for my lifestyle and my business, I'll do a lot of work throughout the spring and summer up there through the week. I'll go mm. up and spend a night, work the next day, and then, uh, and then come home. So yeah, there's all different ways to do it. It's, but it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk to a lot of business owners. Mm -hmm. Any common themes, any common threads uh, through your podcast? And what's the name of your podcast again? So it's One Day at a Time for the ODAP podcast. Um, so yeah, again, it's all kind of mindset, overcoming adversity, um, different entrepreneurs sharing their stories and it's kind of how they, they broke through and just kind of sharing the different struggles. But yeah, it's a great question. So for uh, common themes, I, I'd say one, that probably comes up nearly almost every episode uh, is that, you know, really just who you're hanging out with, you know, who you're, who you're surrounding yourself with, you know, you're the average of the five people you're around. And it sounds kind of corny and woo-woo, but it's really so true. 
you know, because if you're hanging out with losers or drinking all the time or, you know, just partying all the time and, you know, you're probably going to end up doing the same thing. You know, but if you're hanging around people that are committed to, you know, bettering themselves and winning and, you know, personal development and working out, you're, you're probably going to start doing that. So I'd say that's probably one of the biggest themes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know, I, I, I share with friends and family who are not entrepreneurs, um, who may, you know, obviously they know me, but they might know other business owners that I don't personally know. I share with them often, like, man, you know, what you don't realize is it's lonely up it's lonely at the top. It's lonely up here. Mm. Um, you know, and that's not meant to say from a position of arrogance that I'm above you. It's just a figurative way to say, I live a different life. Right. Um, and I think a lot of folks don't, uh, they don't really get that. They don't have that perspective. Um, but you're, you are spot on. You are the average of the people you hang around. So what do you recommend for people who are feeling lonely at the top? How do they solve that? Yeah, I, th I think really just finding a mastermind or network, you know, crew is apex. Um, but yeah, really, like you said, it's just, you know, it's hard not having people to talk to that don't really understand entrepreneurship or, you know, don't really, you can't talk to you about kind of the problems you're going through. I mean, cause not like, you know, if you talk to someone that works a nine to five, you know, it's kind of hard for them to relate or, you know, really give advice or even listen, you know, about you know, the struggles that go with business ownership or entrepreneurship. And they just really just can't imagine. I feel like in their mind, they're probably thinking it must be nice or, you know, who knows, even if they want to really, it's probably just hard just because they, you know, it's just a different world. But, um, but yeah, I think just finding the right mastermind, yeah, I'd recommend Apex. Um, you know, there's a lot of other great ones out there too, but yeah, really just trying to find your, your, your tribe or, you know, your people that you connect with and kind of start building those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Let's dig into, uh, the concept of grabbing, connecting with that tribe, if you will. And then what do you do when you're in, right? Like, so. So you join Apex as an example, and I'll talk about Apex all the time because I think it's a great group, great peer-to-peer -peer mastermind and network. Um, unlike any other that I've been a part of, I think the culture is what makes it so special. Yes. Um, there, there's a connectivity that's just pretty much unreal uh, for anything else that I've been a part of. And I've been a part of a lot. Um, so you get in, right? So, all right. So somebody's like, all right, Kai and Jeff, I get it. And, you know, they go check out your podcast one a day at a time and they listen. And you should, you should subscribe to it one day at a time podcast. If they type in ODAT, does it come up? Or That's what it is. It is ODAT. Yeah, it's ODAT. ODAT. Okay. I like that acronym, by the way. Thank I you. I like that. It's kind of like HUDAT for the Saints. Right. A lot of people say that. ODAT. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Are you a Saints fan? Uh, no, not really. Okay. I'm from New England. All right. Well, we'll just stop the football conversation <laughs> there. No, just kidding. Um, so subscribe to ODAP podcast, but you take the advice that Kai's given you and that we've been talking about today, you get into a group, but now it's like, all right, well now it's this whole new place. It's this whole new uncomfortable place. Yeah. People are predisposed. They kind of have the same problems as me, but I don't even know how to behave here. What do you mm -hmm. recommend that people do? So really the biggest thing is just kind of go in there, both well, an open mindset, but two, just, you know, focus on giving value, you know, try to like you know, provide value. Don't go in there with a taker mindset and worry about how am I going to get sales or how is this going to improve my business? Um, but yeah, but just be a person, you know, just, just have conversations with people, you know, talk to them, you know, like so look, they're looking for the same thing as you. They're looking for community. They're looking for people to connect with and talk with. Um, but just go there. Don't try to force it and just, you know, just, just be yourself and, you know, just be willing to give any way you can give value, try to give value. You see, I, I 100% believe givers gain. Yeah. 
yeah, that uh, philosophy of giving to, you know, givers gain um, really rings true in, in those kinds of, uh, in those kinds of networks. And I think the real test will be if you, you'll know you're in the right one when people like respect your time. So like, let's say you book a call with somebody, you, you, you know, I'd recommend you have a calendar link so you're not 27 messages back and forth. Does Wednesday at one work? Oh no, it doesn't work. Let's do Thursday at two. Well, that doesn't work for me. Just get a calendar link and share that out and let people come on as it works for you. But um, that giving philosophy uh, and giving value, let's go one more, one more uh, pass at that. I think a lot of folks at times can feel like they don't have anything to give. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, like for me, one of my retail businesses, one of my businesses is retail mattress store. Right. And, um, I, you know, I think I've had self doubt of, well, I'm a mattress guy. What the hell do people want from me there? But then I realized, no, you're definitely way more than that. I do the show. I help other business owners, you know, with their issues on growth and vision, uh, and, and kind of growing into their experience that they can give. So that's the value I offer. How do people, how do you recommend people kind of get over that fear of the value they can bring, even if they're in like what they might think is a boring job, like or yeah, for like insurance? Yeah, I think that's a great one. So I know a lot of people do struggle with that. Um, so I think one business wise, um, there definitely is ways you can give and game. Maybe there's tools or, or systems that you use that are different. Um, so for example, my wife kind of struggles with that too. And we're at Apex, um, but one of the Apex events, and she was talking. I think it was with Josh Thomas. And then he, she, she kind of told, you know, I don't know how, what I have to give. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, cause I'm kind of the, the visionary of, of our business. But, um, basically she was kind of going over Airtable and, you know, she kind of went into, you know, so I do this cause she also has a uh, social media management business. And, you know, she kind of gave him a whole breakdown and you know, he told her after he said, Hey, man, that, that made this whole trip worth it. And, um, it's just kind of mind blowing. So you never know, you know, what you can help someone with, whether it's a tool, um, or just, you know, something small that could really help someone's business or what they're struggling with. And if you don't ask, you know, what they need help with, you're not going to be able to help them. Um, but also a big thing, you know, we talk about Apex and Brian soon talks about just, you know, the, the four pillars and, you know, it's not just about business, but maybe you can help someone, you know, with their health or relationships, um, or with their group, maybe you can connect them. So, you know, there, there's always ways to, you know, to give value, even if you, know, you feel like, you know, you can't right away with business or if you're just starting out in business. Yeah. 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 I mean, one of the things that I did, uh, as of recent with the group is, uh, I'm speaking at a big event this week at a, a virtual event, but it's it's a big virtual event, which is kind of an oxymoron anymore. Um, but there are a lot of people going and, and attending, and the structure of it is very cool. Um, you know, the offer that will be made, the way the speakers, you know, what the speakers are expected to contribute, and the and then the the load they're expected to carry for the offer to be made. It's very unique. And I decided that I would share out that structure within, within our group, the executives group, because a lot of those folks run their, their events, uh, their own virtual events. And, um, it's just a different look. And, and, and so, yeah, offering those tools, those tips, those tactics are really great. I'll give you one right now uh, yeah. that I think could possibly work for you. So we'll start talking about how you got into real estate and what we buy sad houses all about. But like this is, this is the, the way, even if you're just the, the boring insurance person, right? Like this is how you give value. Uh, I came across a company called Blip Billboards. It's now the second time in two weeks I've talked about it on the show. 
But this is this is like arbitrage for billboards. Really? And yeah, so Blip goes and they they contr- as I as best I can understand it, and I don't really care how they pay for it, but mm-hmm. they contract with your build your digital billboard companies for their empty space. And then they resell that empty space to me. So I upload my ad into their into their portal. I pick out the boards I want. And when that space is available, the ad gets shown. Mm. So in San Antonio, and I noticed you're, you got, we buy sad houses in a bunch of different towns. So we'll talk about how you got that done and what that's all about. But like, I could see you just upload a handful of ads for we buy sad houses, throw it in. I've had my board shown for, we have an alternative in the, in the re- mattress business for num- for sleep number. Mm-hmm. It's actually the precursor to sleep number, the original number bed. And I just put some artwork up. I've had that board showing 21, this is the last time I checked earlier in this week, 2,100 times on five boards. So big concentration of showing in a small area where people are going to my store and the sleep number store, by the way. So they're driving past my board, uh, going to my competition, which I kind of think is cool. Um, 63 bucks wow. is what I've spent. That's what it's called blip blip billboards. Yep, blip billboards. I'm definitely checking yeah. it out. So right there, I mean, like when, when Kai says, you know, look to give value. If you've got a really cool app, you got something that's a hack in your day that improves your day, share it out because likely, I mean, the world's a big place. There's tons of solutions out there. Mm. If you got one or two that are making your life better, that's immediately how you can start connecting in these kinds of groups. So, so let's say you take that little drop of value with billboards and you put We Buy Sad Houses all across San Antonio on billboards. Tell us about how you got to the day where we're here right now and you own We Buy Sad Houses. Tell us about that journey. Yes, yeah, so, so I've been on the actual journey for a little bit. Um, so about six, seven years. Um, started different things. I've always struggled with shiny object syndrome, but um, learned a lot of lessons along the way and you had some businesses that did well. You know, so I, I was able to sell one of them and others straight out failed. Um, but I always wanted to get into real estate. You know, it's kind of always in the back of my mind. The first wealthy person I ever met, uh, made money through real estate. And, you know, he liked me, he told me he barely graduated high school. So, you know, that kind of always intrigued me and kind of left that, that little thought in my head. Um, so, you know, I always wanted to get in there, but I always thought, you know, you had to have perfect credit. You know, I thought you had to have a bunch of money in the bank and thought you had to know how to fix and repair houses, deal with tenants and termites and toilets and all the things, you know, everyone says to scare you away from real estate. Um, but I always, like I said, I was interested in it. So I'd read a lot of books. I'd, you know, listen to podcasts and, you know, eventually I came across something called wholesaling. And it was just an, it was a little book. It's a small chapter about it. And it was just really small. I didn't really get into it. Uh, but I'm like, oh, what is this? So I, I decided to dive into it. And I found out I could, you know, basically invest in real estate uh, without, you know, having the money, the credit, the experience or any of the other things I thought I needed. Uh, and, you know, basically all I had to do was sales and marketing, which which I've done my whole life. So, you know, I found out about that and I, and I was all in. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, very good story. I hear a lot of people, um, th- that's how they start in real estate, wholesaling. A lot of mm-hmm. folks start in that path. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different ways you can get into that, and then you can grow from that. Now you've got is it is it franchise locations in other places, or you're just operating just offices? Yeah, so we just do marketing in all those places. So I'm just basically wholesaling. You're 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 getting a, con- um, a property under contract, and then you're selling that contract to another investor. So I have yeah. you know connections. I have a network of different investors and in, in different markets that I'm in. So I'll do marketing in those areas. 
Um, and then we, and then I'll sell them the contract. So basically, I'm, a lot of the hot markets I'm, I'm focused on. Um, and then we also do fix and flips. Um, and we have, we have okay. one house we're going to turn into a rental here in San Antonio as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you just going to stay in that wholesaling space or if you're going to do the fix and flip or, you know, subject to release to own? I mean, there's, there's so many different ways to, uh, to affect the real estate contract. Um, uh, I got into this area of real estate about 10 years ago and, uh, uh, ended up exiting. I made money, did okay, but, you know, I had a really bad taste in my mouth because I ended up in litigation. Uh, and a judge didn't understand real estate at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, his only friend reference was Joe Realtor signed in the front yard. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and when we put, about 900, I think it was 937 ways that a real estate contract can be affected. Uh, it was taken as an insult to his intelligence and I lost the case. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it was, there, there was a lot to it, but that was, that was the broad stroke. So, um, that was a $60,000 lesson for wow. me. So not the biggest failure I've had, but a significant one. Yeah. So you said, you said you had some, uh, uh, shiny object syndrome. Some businesses that failed, some businesses that were successful. Obviously, we buy said houses. One of those. What were some of those failures, and why? So yeah, so when I basically I got um, I've been in sales forever. Got burnt out from sales. Worked at an insurance company. Hated it. Missed sales. Um, didn't get a promotion I wanted. Was an awful employee. Got fired. Uh, rightfully so. And uh, but super frustrated at the time. I said, Hey, I'm never going to work for someone else again. So I had no idea how I was going to do that. Um, everyone thought I was crazy. And, um, you know, I didn't know about YouTube at the time. I didn't know about, wasn't following any gurus, I was even on social media. So I got no idea how to start, you know, working for myself. So yeah, definitely learned a lot of lessons, got, got kicked in the face a bunch of times. But, um, yeah, so we sold stuff on Amazon, did okay with that. We'd do like yard sales and flip stuff and just make small oh, cool. amount of money. Um, so I got all that money, tried to reinvest it into, uh, was we were up in, in New Hampshire at the time. So we, uh, decided to reinvest all that money into like, um, like, like snow removal equipment. So we got like a snow blower and you know, a bunch of stuff like that. And then one of the only winters I can remember didn't snow. So, you know, invested all my money into that. So I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, how much further do you have to go for snow than New Hampshire? I guess Maine. Right. Uh, yeah. At least here in the States, that is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that didn't work. So, so all that. Um, yeah, I did, um, what's it, what's it called? Um, just like yard work and, and like leak cleanup, small things like that. Um, yeah, I didn't, didn't really like doing that much. So it's another thing, just the only business I kind of knew of. I'm like, oh, you know, I see these all the time. But yeah, just, um, I had a company help me get out of timeshares. And then that one, you know, we did well with that one. That's when I sold, but there was, you know, off, I didn't know about core values at the time. I was like 23, 24 at the time. So I had an awful culture, didn't know about core values. Um, just really I had an awful, you know, I had the person that was my friend that, you know, the business relationship was awful. We didn't have our contracts there. Um, found out he was, uh, taking money and just, you know, using it like a lot of money and just like using it for mm-hmm. all his personal stuff. And, you know, but yeah, just, you know, it's a great lesson, uh, for sure. But, and then, you know, from there to see a marketing agency, left that one, sold that one, started a marketing agency, which yeah, I liked, but I didn't really like. And, um, yeah, did while we were doing, um, like paid ads and stuff for car dealers. Um, that was cool. But it was, uh, but yeah, this wasn't really what I wanted to do. So, but yeah, I'm kind of grateful for kind of all those like different businesses and you know different lessons I learned because I don't think I'd ever be you know where I'm at today if I didn't go through those or you know, I wouldn't have you know some of the things I know now if I didn't go through all that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, I think that's a big difference, you know, in our generation, um, our general age groups is we, we have tried and have done a lot of different things. You know, whereas our parents and grandparents, you know, they were brought up to have a career, to have a path, and they kind of stayed in that lane. Uh, generalization, I'm sure there were other, there's, there's many others that, uh, did try many different things, but I think you're seeing now you're seeing people be committed more. And we'll, we'll talk about core values next. Like their value is they want freedom. They, they, they want to experience life. Doesn't mean they don't want to work. It's just, they want, they want a great balance around that. And if they can deliver immense value while achieving that freedom, that's where that's the lane they want to be in. Mm. Um, so let's talk about like where, where you see core values playing, being something that can really move the needle in business. Yeah. And no, I think it's a game changer. Yeah. I feel like in life and in business, I feel like it's really just an easy reference point to know, like if you align with someone real quickly, as before I had core values that, you know, there'd be like a thought back in my head, like, ah, oh, there, there's something I don't like about this person or there's, you know, something, I don't know why they seem cool, you know, but there's something I don't like about them. I just can't put my finger on it. Um, but once I identified my core values and you know, realized I live by them, but now it's like, I can be like, oh, they, they don't have integrity. They don't do what they say they're going to do and they say they're going to do it. Um, or, you know, or they, you know, they don't take ownership, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're playing the victim and blaming everyone else. And, you know, it just really makes it a lot easier. And especially when you get into business relationships and especially when you're hiring people, and you're building your culture with the people you work with. Um, it, it makes it so much easier and so much more efficient and, and just to know, you know, and just like when, you know, you don't know, you don't know. So by I me, mean, when you do know your core values, it just, it makes everything so much easier and just really a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, one of the things, um, in our business is we want to change the way our mission is to change the way people feel about mattress stores. And we have a bunch of values that uphold that, but we can immediately test one another within the business, whether that's our delivery team, our sales team, operations, um, ownership, you know, if something feels wonky, we can immediately ask ourselves, is this changing the way people feel about this experience? Or are we just phoning it in in the moment? Mm. And, uh, I think that that changed the way you feel about real estate insurance, buying a car, right? That's to me, that's one of those broad statements, but can also be very focused because it, it, you can ask yourself that question. Am I changing the way this person in front of me feels about this experience with me? Mm. That's good. Any expanded thoughts on that? Sorry, repeat that one more time. I said, do you have, do you have yeah. any, any thoughts to add to that about changing the way people feel well, about that experience? Feel. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, uh, driving customer experience is everything. You know, we're always looking for a, to try to get a win-win scenario. You know, so we deal with a lot of distressed homeowners. So we deal with people, um, mm. either the house is distressed, you know, they're, um, you know, needs a lot of work or, you know, usually it's personal though. Usually it's, you know, they have something personal going on in their life, whether it's financial or it's family. Um, maybe they're, you know, in danger of losing the house. So it's really a lot of emotionally charged times and stressful times because the house is, I mean, you get a lot of emotions going to a house. I mean, you live there. There's, uh, you know, it's usually most people's main goal in life is getting a house. Um, right. So when, when they're in danger of losing that, it's definitely emotionally charged time. So yeah, we're really trying to focus on, you know, what what's the best case scenario for them? You know, not what's going to put the biggest check in our pocket. Obviously, we're going to make money, we're a business, but we're going to make sure, you know, what what's the best case scenario for them? What do they need next? You know, what are they worried about? 
You know, do they have their next place lined up? Do they need help moving out of the house? You know, what, what can we do to make sure that, you know, it's as easy and painless as possible for them? Because usually they're already going through a hard enough time as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to ask, maybe you can think of a, like one of those really great success stories where somebody had that really sad situation and you help them move forward from it. But I think we should take a step back because I think a lot of folks listening, watching, by the way, we record this show as a, as a video. Uh, this episode you're watching is not, was not live streamed, but it was recorded. Normally we live stream, uh, but you're still able to take it in on video. So you should always watch because you do get a lot from the, the body language, facial expression. When we hear things, we take it in better when we see it, but, uh, you can take this in audio and video, but, um, Take us, let's, let, let's share with people watching and listening that you don't, there's many ways to buy real estate, which I already said, uh, hundreds of ways. Um, and, uh, people get really attached. Like, I think for me, the vision of a house is like you said, it's the dream. It's the number one goal. People get really attached to it. So it becomes this big, like monolithic thing that you have to go through all these permeations, all these steps to sell and to buy. When in fact, it's not quite that, right? right? It's actually, it's, it actually can be very opposite of that. And that's really what you do. Um, so explain to people like, you know, if you own a home and it's distressed, like what do you mean by distressed and how do you come in and get that contract and then what do you do with it? Yeah. So, so typically distressed uh, would be, you know, like if the house either needs a lot of work, um, you know, like needs repairs or, you know, it could be you know, some of the reasons we find that's like code violations or, or things like that. Uh, or it could be you, know, you inherit it and it's vacant and no one's been there a long time, you know, or, you know, you had tenants for a while, you're trying to use it as a rental property. They trashed the place and they left and now it's just a, a huge headache. Um, so that's usually the reasons the property itself would be distressed. Um, if, the, if it's distressed, um, you know, for the owner, usually it'd be, you know, things like foreclosures, you know, financial issues, it'd be things like divorce, um, it'd be things like, um, you know, really health issues or, you know, really, uh, sometimes people just, you know, something happens quickly, they get a new job, they just need to sell immediately. You know, they need to move across country and they don't have time to put it on the market. Um, so we're able to do, um, so we're doing into a marketing. So we do one of the things that works really well for me right now, um, is they do a lot of text and voicemail automations. So basically I'll pull different lists from websites or, or from the county records and I upload them to my CRM and then it automatically does this automation where one day it'll send a text. Um, and then right after that, a voicemail um, recording. And then a day later, it'll do the same thing. And then um, this will do a voice and text, uh, text message and voicemail. And then we'll wait. And then like three more days, so it's like all over a week and we'll do one last one. And then we have like follow-up sequences down the road. Um, but that's one of the big reasons and paid ads and just, you know, organic stuff. People find us online, but, uh, yeah, so we, we find those people and then we're really just trying to find whatever the best solution is for them. You know, maybe they're, they're behind and they need help getting caught up. You know, there's situations where it can be sub two or, or own their financing if they want more money. So it's really just trying to find what they want. Is it like a need they're trying to fulfill? They're just trying to get the most money for their house. Or, you know, they're trying to do it quickly. Um, and then we kind of tailor, you know, our, our different solutions for whatever it is that they want. And it's going to help them best achieve what they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, do you find it, maybe, maybe you didn't know this when you got into the real estate game. I think a lot of folks listening and watching, this would be news to them. But was it surprising to you to learn how many properties are actually owned outright versus having a mortgage through a bank? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's definitely a way bigger number than you think. And just really just overall how many houses there are in general and how many people have houses. Yeah, it's definitely not, not something you don't normally think about until you actually get into it and start looking at the data. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, to do what, to do what you do, uh, in the wholesale side of things. And uh, yeah, it, obviously you shared, you do more than just wholesaling homes, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of ways to get into the real estate game. And it isn't, it isn't, again, it's not this big complicated thing. It appears as it is because I think a lot of folks look at it through their lens, mm. right? Maybe they got a really nice house. They put a big down payment on, but they still have a mortgage. They, it was a whole process to buy it that, you know, you looked at 17 homes, you had the home inspection, the, the first one fell through, your dream home came back on the market. It took seven months. You know, you lived in it for 12 years, then you had to touch it up to sell it. And that that's not your life at all, is it? Right. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, it's, um, I, I had the same if like your beliefs and mindset too, because we bought a house right before we started. So we went through the whole trying to find something out the MLS and it was a huge headache. Um, yeah, especially because the market was so hot at the time, you know, we just bought our, our first primary home. Um, and I've only been doing real estate for about two years now, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, completely different you know, going through, you know, having to deal with an agent, having to look at a house, having to not know if you have a good agent or not and putting offers in and getting, not getting the offers accepted, not knowing why and just all the different headaches. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely completely different because then you have to worry about the banks and the mortgages and then. So a lot, a lot of moving steps and moving pieces and doing traditional real estate and buying on the MLS. But, but yeah, once you, once you get into it. So what I do is I will focus on off market properties, so properties that aren't listed. Um, and you know, it's a lot easier. You don't, you cut out a lot of the, you know, the in between people or the, the middlemen. Right. So you don't have to worry about the realtors. You can just talk directly to the homeowner. Um, and then you can structure it, you know, so you don't have to put money down. You know, you can structure it. So you can have different partners. You can. You know, it's, um, and then once I found out about hard money loans for flips and the other approval process is a lot easier and just so many different things they just don't educate regular people about. But I mean, it's really just as, as easy to learn as, as hopping on YouTube and, you know, typing in different things or Googling some stuff and, you know, hopping on that, you know, down that rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. I went to, um, I went to the Ron Legrand School of Real Estate, who's like the godfather of, alternative real estate deals. When I say alternative real estate, I mean Joe Realtor's sign on your front yard. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it was always eye-opening. It, well, it was eye-opening to me when I first went through it and learned. Uh, and it remains to be like, it, it, it's so interesting how many deals can be done. You said something um, that's intriguing to me. You're only two years into this game, successful, operating in multiple cities, I think looked like from your site, maybe eight cities, six, eight cities or so. Yeah, I think right? so. Yeah, I think right now, yeah, we've done just recently, we've, we've done a lot of deals in a few different places too that we haven't yet. So we did some in Cali. We've done a couple of deals in California now. We've done um, one, just a good one in Florida, a couple in Georgia and a few in Washington state now too. So, and then yeah, yeah. we have other ones too in markets we operate in. Yeah. I mean, you touched on how you're doing this through marketing, through CRM. You know, there's two things held up my hand and held up more than two fingers. That didn't make any sense. There's two things. Um, there's two things that I think every, every true business owner who is sitting in their own investor seat, which is some of the, some of the skill and, and the value I bring to my clients is getting them into that seat in their business. So they actually have a business mm -hmm. as opposed to a job that just pays them well. Two of those two things are 
you got to know how to market your business. Mm-hmm. And, and really, you need, to, you need to be really connected to the marketing of your business. Maybe not designing the postcards or hitting the keys for the CRM and programming it out and making all the connections and integrations, but you got to understand it and, and you need to know what the market wants, the message that they need to hear, or the media that they use. You got to be able to move them. It seems like you're able to do that. You touched on the other thing back uh, when we were going through some of the failures of the past, were um, you know, things that didn't work out, things you learned from. That's a nicer way to put it, right? Uh, you said you had a business partner that started using money the wrong way. So that second thing is control the checkbook. Mm. Well, I don't think you should ever yeah. abdicate that. I mean, right. again, you can have a CFO, you can have uh, people that process your payables and do your receivables, but you've got to be watching that money. Uh, yeah, I don't amen. think. I don't think there's. I think those two things should never be completely abdicated. You can outsource the task. But you've got to have that finger on the pulse. The second you take it off, it's it's trouble. So really, I get the sense from you, you get excited and jazzed up about marketing. Yeah. No, I love marketing, sales. Yeah, those are two things that, you know, I'd say, you know, what are your best skills? Those two things. Uh, I definitely need to work on the other stuff. And it's one of my big goals. And why I joined Apex, surround myself with people like you. Um, it's kind of take myself out of that seat, like some of those those tasks and start delegating the other stuff because... You know, I think since I got burned um, by that business partner and that, that company, you know, I kind of went completely the opposite way. Like, hey, I'm just going to do everything myself. And yeah, you can, but it just takes a lot longer and it's just, uh, you get burnt out after a while. So I'm kind of back to, you know, wanting to build and I have like virtual assistants and um, other people I work with too here. But um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, d- definitely different for sure. Um, but yeah, so it kind of took me a while to get over that and try to get back to, you know, building that back up. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the business owner that does everything, you know, that's just a reality sometimes. Um, when you start, it just, it just is. I mean, unless you're the kind of uh, C-suite Wall Street executive that can cobble together a quarter billion dollars of investment money. And, you know, you have 30 years in the industry of building a brand, you know, like, um, Home Depot, as an example, was built in a boardroom off of one location down south and then immediately expanded. Um, you know, it, Unless you're, unless you're playing on that level, uh, you do have to kind of do everything at first. But I think, let's walk through some of your lessons that you've learned about, all right, I need to take everything in to get started. I want to step back to go forward. So what have been some of those steps where you, you kind of step back and you're like, okay, I can immediately shed this. How have you done that? Yeah, so that was, I kind of, when I do something, I kind of go all in. So it was, uh, yeah, completely just, you know, our ways business partner. Like I said, I wasn't watching the check, but I wasn't counting the money. You know, we we're doing good money. I think our second year with that business, when I had the bad experience, the the business partner, yeah, you know, we did. I think we did like over half a mil. And then I was wondering, like, why I had no money to show for it. So then I went back and looked through the data. And I'm like, oh, that, that this is taking all the money, and that, that's why we don't have any money. So, or I don't have any money. But uh, right after paying everyone expenses, stuff, I'm like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know? but our expenses and overhead weren't that high. But um, yeah, yeah, just really just checking that and then just really just core values has been a big one. Just hiring the right people, not just hiring people. Before, I, you know, I didn't really have a lot of trust in myself. I was still young, you know, didn't, was still kind of like having success in business was just like, it was foreign to me, a surprise. And, you know, how I grew up, I didn't feel like I deserved it probably too. And uh, so, yeah, just to hire anyone that wanted wanted to, to work, you know, or say they wanted to work and, you know, find a seat for them. And, yeah, really just let them go and, you know, hope they figure it out themselves pretty much. But uh 
But yeah, and I think that was a big one. Just yeah, just making sure I have control of the money, and you know, making sure you know I've got final say over who I'm hiring and who I'm allowing in my circle. And um, but yeah, I think really just kind of and then slowly delegating things, and then just kind of breaking down. Hey, what are the activities I definitely shouldn't be doing? You know, what are you know where's the best use of my time? You know, that's sales and marketing. I shouldn't be doing data entry. I shouldn't be the one pulling the list. So that was one of the first things I delegated and hired a VA for. Um, and I still made mistakes along the way. Still, as I'm growing again now, and you know, I've hired people and. Same thing, like, oh, they started off great. I didn't do a great job managing them. Um, and I'm like, oh, they figured it out. They're good to go. Um, but then I'd stop yeah. staying on top of them or, or again, looking at the data. And, you know, they'd fall off and I'd, I'd wonder why. And, you know, I'd take ownership and say, it's your fault. You weren't managing them. You should have been looking at the data more closely or had someone else looking at the data to, you know, to catch this and, you know, nip it in the bud and, and not wait till, you know, months or, you know, multiple weeks after the fact when, you know, the other shot should have been addressed and you had the opportunity to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. Very smart insights. Really appreciate you sharing um, as we approach our end of our time together. Um, this has been great to have you on the show. Um, how do people uh, get in touch with you? Obviously, yes. you can check out ODAP podcast. Definitely subscribe there. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. I'd love to if anyone wants to check out the podcast. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, so the ODAP podcast, and then I'm on social media everywhere, Kai Logue. Uh, it's K-Y-L-O-G-U-E. Um, and then it's uh, the real Kai Logue is usually my handle. All right. Very good, man. Well, I appreciate you stopping by. Um, love all you're doing. Always love seeing how people uh, go against the norms, not playing the Joe Realtor real estate sign in your front yard game, doing real estate your way, different way, helping people out, get out of those distressed situations. Uh, helping them move forward. That's um, that's really great. Really appreciate all you're doing there and appreciate you stopping by here on the show, man. It's been good. Yeah, yeah I appreciate you having me, man. It's a lot of fun. All right, very good. Well, thank, thank you again. And uh, we'll see you all next time on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket method shifts you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now, accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.